This is New York's talk leader, the crown jewel of talk radio. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. The rooster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. WABC News Time, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It's Wednesday, February 22nd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds this morning, rain this afternoon, high 43. Showers tonight and overnight, low 39. And then Thursday, mostly cloudy, high 52. If you're walking out the door with us right now, it's 34 and clear. Good morning. I'm Noam Layden. So happy you're here and so much to get to you. I have to tell you this very quick story, though, before I jump into the news. I'm parking my car this morning uh, in the parking garage here on the uh, east side. And uh, as I'm walking out of the garage, and it's, what, 2.57 in the morning, I hear the sound of someone running full force at me. I don't know if you could hear that, but it's like that. I hear this bang and this guy just I hear the steps of someone running full force at me. And uh, this all, by the way, takes place in within 20 seconds. OK, this entire incident, but it was awfully frightening. So I hear somebody running full force at me. I turn around. This person stops and they heave a gigantic orange traffic cone at me and their aim is perfect. It hits me right in the head. And I'm like, whoa. And I didn't have time to panic, really, because then he turned around and he ran the other direction. And I I wasn't going to go see what was going on with him. I did not follow him. But I was uh, I don't need caffeine this morning, man. I I didn't need my coffee at that. And and I I have to say, I ran like a schoolgirl the two blocks all the way to the radio station after that. I'm fine. I mean, it hurt, but I'm fine. But boy, was that frightening. And but this, I know this nonsense is happening on the streets every day, but I had not happened. I, I can't remember the last time I had an incident like that. You know, when you do these early hours, sometimes bizarre stuff like that happens to you. Um, uh, thankfully, I'm fine. I have a tiny little cut on the side of it. It looks like I cut myself shaving. That's what it looks like. Tiny little thing. But I think it was a homeless guy. But who knows? I didn't stay around to find out. WABC News Time. Let's get into the uh, headlines. The top five at five. Do you think that counts as one of the headlines? I don't know. Maybe, maybe it does. If you, uh, it may have been a tornado that whipped through uh, New Jersey yesterday. A bad news grandma collared in the Bronx. People in Plains, Georgia, talking about Jimmy Carter's last days. Russia backs away from a nuke deal with us. And it seems teenagers have no desire to get their driver's license anymore. WABC News Time 503. Okay, let's get right into it. Dozens of large trees on the ground uprooted. Others snapped. This is central New Jersey, Lawrence Township, a couple other towns. Looks like a tornado whipped through around 4 o'clock yesterday. There's a tornado. Get away. Get in the other room. There's a tornado. There's a tornado. The wind started blowing at our sliding door over here. And then my wife and my one son were home with me. And then we just went into the bathroom. And then like 30 seconds later it was over yeah his car was crushed some of those down trees collapsing on cars homes a west windsor township official say at least 10 houses there were damaged and then it got real dark and then things started i never seen the wind blew like i did when we look out and we we see trees going back and forth and we get to the bathroom and then that's when we have to we start looking around and our whole like area is destroyed the roof is like off our building 
power out for some, not a lot this morning. Uh, police say they believe it was a tornado, just by the way it sort of whipped through some of these towns. But the weather uh, officials have not given the final determination just yet. A lot of lightning and thunder, uh, but there were um, people that saw a funnel cloud uh, in the area right here. So we do have uh, eyewitness accounts that there was a funnel cloud. Yeah, sure sounds like it's a tornado. We'll get for that final determination a little later this morning. WABC News Time 504, a seven-year-old girl found stabbed multiple times in the Bronx, and you won't believe who was the stabber. Let's check in live now with WABC's Alex Barnard. What is the scoop here, Alex? Well, good morning, Gnome. Yes, this is a really shocking story here. Police officers found the child on her bed in her grandmother's apartment on Clinton Avenue in the Morrisania section just after 8 a.m. yesterday. Authorities say she was stabbed in the back, neck, and stomach with a kitchen knife. Here's what one neighbor, Chino Aponte, had to say when speaking to ABC7. I'm a grandmother myself. I, I, I just, I, I don't even have words for it. Like, how is you going to harm your child's child? I mean, what words can be said now? Police were notified by the girl's uncle who was inside the home and initially found her. Uh, Another neighbor, Anna Anna Martinez, told CBS2 News that a responding officer rushed the girl to the hospital in a police car. We just seen the cop running out with the child. The child was full of blood. You know, we didn't even know what was really going on and what was happening at the moment. The girl was taken to Lincoln Hospital in critical condition. Thankfully, she underwent surgery successfully and is now listed in stable condition. And meanwhile, the person of interest in this uh, story, her grandmother, she is now in police custody. So what is the deal with the grandmother? Have they said, uh, is there mental health issues? What's going on? Detectives, yeah, detectives have been saying that this uh, 65-year-old woman has a history of mental health issues, and she was being treated at St. Barnabas Hospital uh, undergoing a psychiatric evaluation. Yeah, well, glad to hear that the little girl's going to be okay. WABC's Alex Barnard, thank you very much. Thank you. WABC News Time 508. People in Georgia rallying around former President Carter while he spends his final days in his hometown of Plains. He's kind of given us a little bit of time to reflect on him while he's still alive. The nation's uh, oldest living president receiving hospice home care, said to be surrounded by loved ones at 98. He's offered a signal about being at peace with death, uh, as he openly discussed back in 2015. What he did for the poor, uh, for the disadvantaged, and all over the world to try to make a difference. Andrew McMullins uh, made a last-minute detour on his road trip to see Carter's hometown. It's an honor to be in the presence of a president. He came to my small Appalachian hometown of Huntington, Pennsylvania, and he built a house. He was one of the first to drive the nails. Yeah, you know, I was talking with the head of New York City Westchester's Habitat for Humanity yesterday. She told me some great stories about Jimmy Carter that will roll out over the next couple of days. But uh, something I didn't know about him, his very first project, Jimmy Carter's very first project with Habitat for Humanity, was back in 1984 and was here in New York City in the Lower East Side. He, had, he was not a member of the organization, but he went to help rebuild a home, rehab an apartment building, actually, of something like 14 apartments, Lower East Side, and he became so enthralled 
enthralled with the work that they were doing to build homes for the homeless that Jimmy Carter then joined Habitat for Humanity. And, of course, the rest is history. He really turned it into quite the organization. Of course, there's lots of talk about hospice and what uh, Jimmy Carter may be going through. So I checked in with a woman who is in hospice. Her name is Peggy. And she uh, has had some medical issues with her heart. And she's actually been in hospice for a year, which I didn't know. I thought people went to hospice for weeks or months at a time. But uh, some people even graduate from hospice. But she says her experience, she's at a hospital up in Albany, has been pretty good so far. When you get sick, it's scary. It's very scary. And especially if you don't know all the ramifications of what you have or where, where things are going. When I heard that hospice had picked me up, I made my peace with everybody, talked to my family, and they understood completely that I never wanted to see another doctor or go to a hospital again. Well, that was a little over a year ago. And people look at it and say, how could you be in hospice that long? I have the most wonderful team on the earth. I have been blessed with these people, and they are filled with care and compassion and it's the same every time they come to visit, and some of them come every day to do whatever they have to do to make me feel human again. And then to have this calming hand hold yours and say something very soothing, like, we're here to take care of you. Wow. It's a gift. Yeah, I had a great conversation with Peggy, and of course, we wish her the best. I mean, she says she hopes she graduates from hospice because sometimes people do. WABC News Time 511. Funeral held Tuesday in New Jersey for a 12 year old boy who collapsed and died during a football practice. The service for Elijah Jordan Brown Garcia held at the uh, Fountain Baptist Church and Summit. He was involved in this uh, light football drill on the field at Westside Park in Newark. This was about a week and a half ago when he collapsed right near his brother. There was unfortunately nobody nearby that knew CPR. And I'm so sorry that I have to be right here right now to say that I love him and I'll miss him. Yeah, no mom should lose her child like that. The head coach of the Essex County Predators youth football team had left and another coach and parents were there in charge at the time when he fell over, but you know none of them knew CPR. He was doing the football and everything like that, but he would still come to choir rehearsal and everything like that. God doesn't make any mistakes. Even though it looks bad, there's something good that can come out of this. You don't look for to bury your own child. You look for your child to bury you. Yeah, that's awfully true. Some uh, lawmakers now say there should be a push to make sure all coaches, especially at the younger level, know CPR, which I think is a great idea. WABC News Time 513. A $100 million wrongful death lawsuit being filed some 58 years after the assassination of Malcolm X. Attorney Benjamin Crump says the civil rights leader's family is suing the city of New York, the state of New York, the FBI, and the CIA. To make sure that some measure of justice can be given to Malcolm X's daughters. So the scoop is the family's accusing the city, state, and government agencies of concealing evidence. Malcolm X, as you probably know, fatally shot while speaking at the Audubon Ballroom in Washington Heights in Manhattan. Uh, two men who were convicted of killing Malcolm X were exonerated. This was about a year and a half ago. So now the family says, well, who did it? And they wonder if the government wanted Malcolm X done away with. They want to see all the evidence. And it is our hope that litigation of this case will finally provide some unanswered questions 
We want justice served for our father. Malcolm X's family claiming that federal, state, and New York City officials conspired to kill the civil rights leader and then covered it up with this botched investigation. WABC News Time 514. Mayor Adams says he does want a casino coming to New York City. The mayor says he hasn't been following casino negotiations because the state's gaming commission will actually have the final say on this. But he says this would be big for New York City. I just want, uh, you know, down here, you know, as as part of our rebuild, recovery, reinvent our city. Uh, I just, you know, the casino would help. Adams adds a casino will create jobs, bring people into the city, noting the success of the Aqueduct Racetrack in Queens. So far, casino proposals in Manhattan include Hudson Yards and Times Square, even uh, Saks Fifth Avenue talking about building a casino at the top of their building. WABC News Time 515. Mayor Adams says New York City isn't being heard when it comes to managing the MTA. The mayor's comments come just days after the Gothamist reported that he appointed himself to serve on an MTA committee that reviews the agency's $55 billion construction plan. I think New York City is treated unfairly. You know, the largest ridership uh, with the economic engine. Uh, we are just not having our voices being heard. Yeah, and he's demanding the city have more of a say. WABC News Time 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Good morning, Justin. Good morning, Gnome. We've got a hockey game to get to last night. The Devils, they fell flat at home dropping their contest to one of the league's weaker teams in the Montreal Canadiens. By score 5-2, Devs were stifled by Habs goaltender Sam Montembeau all night long, getting turned away on 37 shots, including... Three breakaways over the course of the game. Jesper Bratt and Dawson Mercer buried the two tallies for New Jersey, which suffers only its third loss in their last 18 games. Here was head coach Lindy Ruff following the loss. You know, I thought even the first period, you know, low energy. Um, we weren't crisp with, with with our puck play. You know, you look at the opening shift, we gave up a point-blank scoring chance on a one faceoff. You know, obviously we had some guys that were tired. We've had some guys that have been fighting through some illness. You know, we made some mistakes that, you know, that gave them some good opportunities. Give them a lot of credit. They did a good job. Did a good job inside. Blocked a lot of shots. Uh, uh, they created some opportunities with speed. Uh, so they deserve credit, too. The Devs are still just five points back of the Carolina Hurricanes for first place in the Metropolitan Division. They'll try and get back to their usual selves when they host the Los Angeles Kings tomorrow night. And looking ahead to local hockey action tonight. The Islanders, they're getting set to uh, welcome in the Winnipeg Jets for a 7 p.m. puck drop. And uh, college basketball to look forward to tonight as well. St. John's there at Georgetown for a 9 p.m. tip-off. Here with your early news sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 519. Aaron Brockovich is in East Palestine, Ohio. We'll tell you more about that. And the latest on this new, well, I guess maybe it's not so news, but the latest way to get your ashes on Ash Wednesday. Those stories and more coming up. But first at 519, let's check out Wall Street with Lou Dobbs. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Retail earnings sparking a broad market sell-off on Wall Street. All three major indexes posting sharp losses. The Dow Jones Industrials yesterday down nearly 700 points. The Nasdaq down nearly 300. Walmart's warning weighing heavily on the market. The company expects consumer spending to continue to slow this year. NVIDIA reporting fourth quarter results today. Revenue forecast down nearly 20% from the previous quarter. Year over year, Wall Street targeting profits down nearly 40%. The outlook, however,
however, much rosier for NVIDIA. The stock's up nearly 45% this year. Minutes from the last Fed meetings come today. Economists already forecasting more interest rate hikes. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. WABC News Time 520. Okay, the governor of Ohio and a top EPA official, they were actually drinking the water in East Palestine yesterday. They wanted to show that it was safe. The Republican governor there, of course, Mike DeWine, the EPA administrator, Michael Regan, going door to door in the village, trying to convince residents that the air and water were safe. Here's the Carolina. Yeah, I don't know if you can tell there, but they're clinging their glasses as they're drinking water. Uh, Since the toxic train derailed back on February 3rd and chemicals were burned off, of course, residents in this neighborhood in East Palestine have complained of rashes, sore throats, headaches, nausea. Uh, This homeowner actually thanking the governor for drinking the water. So now they believe that maybe the water is actually safe. That makes us feel better. Yeah, that will continue. Yeah, more from uh, Mike DeWine. How do we know that? We know that because it has been tested. But we're going to continue to test. Yeah, so they're testing the water. This comes, of course, after this freight train. 50 cars derailed in the town earlier this month, spilling toxic chemicals, sparking that massive fire. Uh, DeWine mentioned that a clinic has opened after residents started to report health issues and wants to make sure everything goes okay. He's also calling on Congress to address some loopholes that allow trains operated by this company, Norfolk Southern, to enter Ohio without notification of toxic chemicals that it's hauling. We should probably know that, no? Yeah. This train did not qualify under current law, requiring the railroad company to make that notification is just absurd. Yeah, so DeWine uh, walking away uh, saying that he had a public promise to the people of this town in Ohio to not leave them behind. He says East Palestine, they'll investigate all anything that's going on, but he says it's safe to drink the water. Talk to Aaron Brockovich. Of course, you know who Aaron Brockovich is. And she's telling residents in East Palestine to look out for themselves, not believe what the government tells you. They're going to need to trust themselves and their instincts, their, their own eyes and ears. They know what they've experienced. They know what they continue to smell, what they continue to see. Yes. So uh, she has organized people and she's going to have some meetings this week with people in East Palestine, the environmental activists urging residents not to wait for a statement for from uh, Norfolk Southern Railroad. She says they might lie to you. She also noted there's no immediate solution to the disaster and she wants to know why. She visited initially Ohio over the weekend and is holding a town hall in East Palestine on Friday. And they don't need to be gaslit, if you will. And they walk away very uncertain. And I need them to stay together as a community and pay attention and document and journal what's happening to them. And she, she says she knows by her own experience that it's hard to get answers. There's not going to be an immediate overnight solution to this. Yeah, lots of people, though, happy to see Aaron Brockovich show up in town over the weekend. WABC News Time 523. After a slowdown of illegal immigration in January, the governor of Texas is warning of another surge. We have information about uh, people who are in Central America right now making their way uh, toward the border. Yeah, so this past year, of course, illegal immigration hitting this 
I guess a high watermark is the best way to describe it. Governor Abbott puts the blame squarely at the feet of President Biden, who rescinded many policies of the Trump administration that were keeping these migrants away. And we are you know, working on strategies to make sure that Texas is going to be prepared. And Abbott has a warning for those who want to cross the border through Texas. If you're coming toward the United States of America and you are thinking about making your border crossing in the state of Texas, you're picking the wrong state. Yeah, he said it won't be easy to do so now. WABC News Time 524. Boy, uh, this uh, teen's mother speaking out after her 15-year-old son was killed while subway surfing on Monday night. We told you about this story yesterday. Now this poor mom, Norma Nazario, says her son, Zachary, got distracted while subway surfing on a train crossing the Williamsburg Bridge. And he got distracted or, or he looked to the other side and... The next thing you know, he was just hit and thrown up to the tracks. Now, a lot of these kids that are doing the subway surfing, it's all about uploading these videos on TikTok of them doing the subway surfing. And I have to tell you, they are pretty cool to watch, but of course, it's awfully dangerous. And uh, unfortunately, he found out the hard way how dangerous it can be. Uh, subway riders say some teens feel the pressure to do these dangerous stunts. A lot of it's peer pressure. So like I've seen the other kids be like, oh, that's a little weird. And it's a lot of peer pressure. The uh, teen hit his head on part of a structure as he was subway surfing, fell off the train, I think was run over by the train as well. In 2022, the MTA NYPD received more than 450 calls about subway surfing. And officials are warning, of course, this type of prank can have deadly consequences, as unfortunately Zachary Nazario found out. WABC News Time 525, a Staten Island mom suing now. After her six-year-old woke up on a school bus alone, Jenna Carlson filing a lawsuit against the city, the Department of Education, the bus company, and its driver after her six-year-old was abandoned on the bus miles from the school. This kid, this poor kid, woke up all by herself. She had to actually climb out of the vehicle, cross a busy street, and then ask a stranger for help. The uh, lawsuit says the little girl suffered from fear and emotional distress. I bet she did. And was recklessly put in danger of serious physical harm by the fact that this bus driver didn't do their job. Normally, when you end your bus route, the last thing you're supposed to do is walk all the way back and forth between the seats from one end of the bus to the other to make sure because kids fall asleep sometimes and make sure there's nobody still on the bus. It's it's a I think it's a law. Uh, but apparently this bus driver did not do that. This kid is okay, but now the woman, the mom from Staten Island is suing. Entertaining and informative. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 531. Good morning. It's Wednesday, February 22nd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Clouds this morning, rain this afternoon, high 43. Showers tonight and overnight, low 39. And then Thursday, mostly cloudy, but we could see peaks of sun, high 52. If you're walking out the door with us right now, it is 34 and clear. Noah, I'm laden with you right up until 6 o'clock. So happy you're here and uh, so much more to get to on this uh, Wednesday morning. Mayor Adams addressing pay disparities within the municipal workforce. Mayor signing a series of bills yesterday that will require city agencies to conduct analysis of compensation data to address the disparities uh, and what he calls occupational segregation. I'll let him explain. Every day our administration fights for equity, equality, dignity, and opportunity for all, something that both 
The speaker and I believe are hallmarks of our administration. So the legislation requires a three-year analysis on civil service titles. The mayor also signing other bills that will enhance accessibility of city buildings and homeless shelters for those with disabilities. Uh, city council speaker saying the council studied pay disparities last year and found them within what they call, again, occupational segregation. Okay, Which has resulted in women and people of color being disproportionately concentrated in the lowest paid roles in our city's workforce. WABC News Time 532. We started to talk about this yesterday. This effort underway to restore the Tappan Zee name to what is now the Mario Cuomo Bridge. I don't hear too many people call it that. But, of course, that connects Rockland and Westchester County. But what's been more... Uh, interesting in this battle is it's always been Republicans who want to take that Mario Cuomo name off the bridge to punish Andrew Cuomo for what he did as governor uh, and for uh, his scandal. Nine women coming forward ch- accusing him of sexual harassment. But now there's a Democrat involved and he was finally he's speaking out. He's a state senator, James Scoofus. He's now the main sponsor of a bill that would change the name of the bridge back to the Tappan Zee. And he says he has nothing against Cuomo, but he just likes the name Tappan Zee. This is strictly about righting the wrong of this name change, which everyone in the Hudson Valley wants to see happen. It has nothing to do with any animosity uh, or slight towards Mario Cuomo, and it just simply has to do with returning the bridge to its rightful name. Yeah, so I asked Joe Nolan this question yesterday, what does Tappan Zee mean? It was, you know, I can't expect him to know that, but I looked it up. Tappan is after the Native American tribe that was in the area all those years ago, and Z is the Dutch word for C. So we asked people on the ground there, do you care about this? Do you care it's the Mario Cuomo Bridge? Do you care if it's the Tappan Z Bridge? And most people gave us this answer. Either way, it doesn't really matter. It's the bridge that needs to get me where I need to go, so I'm not concerned about the name. Yeah, I don't really think about it either when I cross that bridge. Governor Hochul is on the fence. The Democrat declining yesterday to take a stand on legislation that would formally strip the Mario Cuomo from the famous bridge across the Hudson. WABC News Time 534. Governor DeSantis, he was out on Staten Island on Monday. He was there for a pro-cop rally, and some say this is all part of a early part of a campaign where he's going to announce he's running for the White House. Welcome to Staten Island. I did a good. I think he did a good job. I thought he was very thoughtful. People wanting to defund the the police. He has a lot of um, things that worked in Florida that may work here. Who knows? Yes, yeah, so, so some of the people who got to meet him on Monday went around Staten Island asking others. The Republican, of course, has yet to announce this White House run. It's thought he's going to, but some people are on Staten Island and they're saying maybe he should wait a little longer. I hope the Republicans can think better. I'd rather stay governor of Florida. I, I, I think he should take a shot. A lot of people should. Anything's better than what we got right now. Yeah, it was a high-profile visit not only to Staten Island for pro-cop rallies, but one on Philadelphia, uh, one in Chicago. His policies on immigration, abortion, education are not in line with our values. If where we can give a kid a, a gun, but we can't give him a book. That doesn't make any sense to yeah, me. Yeah, so sure it looks like he's going to announce at some point. Just the question is when. WABC News Time 535. CNN anchor Dom Lenneman going to return to the network's morning show this morning following those controversial remarks he made about women and aging. 
Uh, they were directed at Republican presidential candidate Nikki Haley, and uh, she's been talking about it ever since. You want to tell me I'm past my prime? Hold my beer and watch this, because I'm <laughs> telling you where we are going to take America is going to change all of that. And they know how hard I'll work and they know how tough I am. Bring it. We're ready. Yeah, so the News Network's chairman announcing that Lemon agreed to take part in formal training, whatever that means. So that's what's getting him back on the show this morning. Uh, you won't be surprised to hear that Nikki Haley has been fundraising off of Don Lemon's comments. They know that I am the biggest threat that liberals have ever seen, and they're scared about it. Wait, you're telling Sid's telling me breaking news. Who's on with you at eight oh five? Who? Oh, Eric Adams. Eric Adams is on with Sid at 8.05 this morning, so make sure you want to tune in for that. Um, so uh, with Don Lemon, uh, people frustrated. Uh, Haley uh, uh, is out there talking, of course, about the campaign, talking about Don Lemon. She's also talking about uh, Biden going to Ukraine. We shouldn't send blank checks. We shouldn't put troops on the ground. We should give them the equipment to defend themselves because this is a war that they're okay. winning. This is not a war about Russia and Ukraine. It's a war about freedom, and it's one we have to Yes, so her remarks uh, made before President Biden made that trip to Ukraine. He was in Poland yesterday. Keep stand strong. Keep stands proud. It stands tall. And most important, it stands free. Biden uh, calling out Russia's brutality against the Ukrainian people during this speech. They've committed depravities, crimes against humanity. They've targeted civilians with death and destruction. Yeah, and, you know, Russia was not going to just sit by and take it. So yesterday you had uh, President uh, Putin saying that he's going to suspend uh, participation in a key nuclear weapons agreement that he has with the U.S. as the war rages on in Ukraine. Uh, the U.S. Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, reacting, uh, says uh, he was surprised by this announcement. The announcement by uh, Russia that it's uh, suspending participation in the start is deeply unfortunate and irresponsible. Yeah, so are we on the brink of World War III? We're going to get into that in a moment. WABC News Time 540 talking about uh, are we really on the brink of World War III? Joe, no one doesn't think so, but we took our microphones to the streets of the city. Bob Brown did and asked you, are you worried now that uh, Russia has pulled out of this nuclear pact? Well, the problem is Putin is like a, um, a cornered rat in a way. He's not very um, sensible. I don't think he kind of cares but you know hopefully there's someone there who will talk some sense into him i think a wider conflict's very possible yes i do it's very disturbing i know <laughs> terrible very. terrible i mean i can't imagine like all right would putin war they want to kill their own families and all they that don't care human life is a different thing in but even, even they, their they, own they even their own families They've thrown 200,000 people into the meat grinder, and that's that's just the beginning. Do you think a World War III is possible in your mind? If the United States continue their actions, yes, there will be a, a World War III. So you think it's, it could be a possibility? Definitely. Yeah, Definitely. well, people aren't too optimistic there, are they? WABC News Time 540. The uh, Suffolk County Detachment of the Marine Corps. This is in Bayshore. We started to do this story yesterday, and they got in touch with us, and they asked us if we could give out more information. This is sort of a strange story. This World War II German machine gun was stolen from the roof of the building, which meant 
Someone had to go in with a truck and pull this thing off. It weighs like 100 pounds. It's worth about $20,000, and nobody has any idea who stole this thing. We respect the, the piece of equipment, and, and, and it, was, it was taken, and it, it, it hurts. They had to come with a truck. They had to come with a, an extension ladder. They had to come with a rope or a chain. I mean, it's not a, a light piece of equipment. Yeah, so a military armaments uh, historian, uh, Dan Templeton, says the stolen weapon has gone through a decommission process, which makes it inoperable and lacks value without any sort of registered background. Because you want to sell it to somebody, somebody has to know it's real. So this makes this heist even more mysterious. That gun is in that movie. I mean, that's what the Germans used. Oh, so the movie he's talking about is all quiet on the Western Front. It was the star of the show and the star of the battlefield. And I could see somebody potentially coveting it for that reason. Just return it. Just no no questions asked. Leave it on our front doorstep. Yeah, these retired Marines. It's not even clear when this was stolen because it's one of those things that sits on a roof and you don't look at it every day. But one day they came in and said, wait a minute, it's not there. Um, the retired Marines saying, hey, if you return this thing to us, uh, no questions asked. We won't go after you. We won't prosecute you. WABC News Time 542, some of the big stories of the morning. It may have been a tornado that whipped through central Jersey around 4 o'clock yesterday. Uh, dozens of large trees pulled from the ground. It looks like a tornado whipped through. Some uh, roofs peeled off. Some people who uh, live through this thing in places like Lawrence Township, it looks like it went through there, say it was awfully frightening. It went fast, but it was scary. There's a tornado. Get away. Get in the other room. There's a tornado. There's a tornado. The wind started blowing at our sliding door over here, and then my wife and my one son were home with me, and then we just went into the bathroom, and then like 30 seconds later, it was over. Yeah, so some of the downed trees collapsed on cars and homes. West Windsor, which is uh, the next town over from Lawrence Township, they say at least 10 houses were damaged there. Other buildings, you could see pieces of the roof had been pulled off. The good news here is nobody was hurt. And then it got real dark, and then things started. I'd never seen the wind blew like I did. When we look out and we, we see trees going back and forth, and we get to the bathroom and... Then that's when we have to, we start looking around and our whole like area is destroyed. The roof is like off our building. Power out for some this morning, not a lot. Police say they believe it was a tornado. No official word from the weather service just yet. A lot of lightning and thunder, uh, but there were um, people that saw a funnel cloud uh, in the area right here. So we do have uh, eyewitness accounts that there was a funnel cloud. WABC News Time 544. Seven-year-old girl found stabbed a bunch of times in apartment in the Bronx yesterday. And police say it was her grandmother that carried out the crime. The child found by police officers on a bed in her apartment. This is in the Morsania section. This is around 8 a.m. yesterday. Police say the child had been stabbed with a kitchen knife. Uh, neighbors, or at least one, heard screams. My sister had told me that she heard somebody screaming. Yeah, uh, but they weren't sure what it was. Uh, she was taking this little girl to Lincoln Hospital in critical condition. He was carrying her. He was rushing her right into the car. They didn't wait for the ambulance. They just took her and they left. From head to toe, 
So from her face all the way down, she had blood all over the place. The girl's uncle says she underwent surgery yesterday, recovering. The good news is it looks like she'll make a full recovery. Girl's grandmother taken into police custody as a person of interest. Uh, she's being treated at St. Barnabas Hospital for some mental health issues, which may not be so shocking to you. WABC News Time 545. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk and Justin Ellick. Well, thank you, Gnome. We will begin on the ice here. The Devils, they fell flat at home, dropping their contest to one of the league's weaker teams in the Montreal Canadiens by a score of 5-2. to two. The Devs were stifled by Habs goaltender Sam Montabu all night long, getting turned away on 37 shots, including three breakaways over the course of the game. Jesper Bratt and Dawson Mercer buried the two tallies for New Jersey, which suffers only its third loss in their last 18 games. Here was head coach Lindy Ruff following the loss. You know, I thought even the first period, you know, low energy. Um, we weren't crisp with, with with our puck play. You know, you look at the opening shift, we gave up a point-blank scoring chance on a one face-off. You know, obviously we had some guys that were tired. We've had some guys that have been fighting through some illness. You know, we made some mistakes that, you know, I gave them some good opportunities. Give them a lot of credit. They did a good job. Did a good job inside. Blocked a lot of shots. Uh, uh, they created some opportunities with speed. Uh, so they deserve credit, too. The Devs are still just five points back of the Carolina Hurricanes for first place in the Metropolitan Division. They'll try and get back to their usual selves when they host the Los Angeles Kings tomorrow night. And news out of the NBA here is the Atlanta Hawks have fired head coach Nate McMillan. Uh, that was yesterday, clearing the way for an immediate search. That will start with uh, reportedly leading candidate Quinn Snyder. Sources did tell ESPN. And looking ahead to local action tonight, we'll uh, head back to the ice here for a second. The Islanders get set to welcome in the Winnipeg Jets for a 7 p.m. puck drop. And college basketball to look forward to as well, much to the pleasure of Joseph Nolan. St. John's out in Georgetown for a 9 p.m. tip uh, tonight. And here with your early news sports update, I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 549, a key charge against actor Alec Baldwin in connection with the deadly shooting on the Rust film set back in 2021 has been dropped. He's no longer charged with a gun enhancement charge after lawyers filed a motion to show the law used as basis for the charge did not apply at the time of the shooting. No prosecutor ever drops charges because the defense is litigious. That's what the defense does. That's an NBC legal analyst, Denny Savalos, who says uh, prosecutors only drop charges if they believe they can't prove them, which makes sense. Gun enhancement only factored in if a gun was brandished with the intent to do harm, which was ruled not to be the case in the death of Helena Hutchins. With that charge dropped, Baldwin no longer faces a minimum of five years behind bars. WABC News Time 550. Texas spending billions of dollars to secure the border, but the deadly opioid fentanyl continues to somehow make its way into the country through Texas. Uh, Congressman Henry Cuellar, who's a Democrat, says the vast majority comes through one spot. Ninety-one percent of the fentanyl are coming through our ports of entry. So the Texas Border Democrats says the drug cartels know only a tiny fraction of cars and trucks get scanned by custom agents. And he says that's the real deal. We need to do a better job. The risk points at the port are lower and um, if we don't do the sort of uh, investigating that they should be doing. Right now, we are only scanning 2% of the passenger cars and only 17% of the 18-wheelers Cuellar says Congress is working to address the problem, but he says not fast enough. WABC News Time, 551. 
two 13-year-olds, just 13, facing a bunch of charges for stealing Kias, uh, the car Kia, from car dealerships in California. Police shocked to see how young these kids are, that they were able to get onto the lot of this dealership and get into a car and drive away with it. I don't want to say that it's surprising. I, I, I would say that it's disappointing. Um, but the, these crimes are being committed from uh, juvenile through adults. Yes, so apparently the reason they're going after Kias is um, there's videos posted online that show would-be thieves how to start Kia vehicles without a key. And so, you know, you can watch this on TikTok or YouTube or whatever, and you can figure it out. And so these kids have figured it out. They realized that uh, the subject were attempting to steal the car using a USB charging. Yeah, so uh, they were busted, but police say this Kia crime, uh, they've seen a spike in it over the last couple months. WABC News Time 552. People in Georgia rallying around former President Carter while he spends what could be his final days in his hometown of Plains, Georgia. He's kind of given us a little bit of time to reflect on him while he's still alive. The nation's oldest uh, living president receiving hospice care, said to be surrounded by loved ones, 98 years old. Uh, he's offered a signal at being peace with death, as he's now said he doesn't want any more medical intervention. He wants out of the hospital. And uh, neighbors in plain say it's sad because they're used to seeing him at church, uh, teaching Sunday school for five hours every Sunday. He hasn't done that most recently, but they say he was just a figure around town. What he did for the poor. Uh, for the disadvantaged, and all over the world to try to make a difference. Andrew uh, McMillan, uh, just a regular tourist, making a last-minute detour on his road trip to see Carter's hometown, especially now that he's in hospice and looks like he's going to pass away. It's an honor to be in the presence of a president. He came to my small Appalachian hometown of Huntington, Pennsylvania, and he built a house. He was one of the first to drive the nails. Yeah, and I wanted to learn more, not just about Habitat for Humanity, which is a great organization, and the president joined Habitat after working on a project on the Lower East Side back in 1984. He was not familiar with the organization, but helped them rebuild an apartment building, and that's when he became a figurehead and really made Habitat for Humanity what it is today. But I wanted to find out more about hospice care, so I checked in with this woman, Peggy, who's in hospice care in Albany, and she's been in it for a year, and um, she describes what happens. When you get sick, it's scary. It's very scary. And especially if you don't know all the ramifications of what you have or where, where things are going. When I heard that hospice had picked me up, I, I made my peace with everybody, talked to my family, and they understood completely that I never wanted to see another doctor or go to a hospital again. Well, uh, that was a little over a year ago. And people look at it and say, how could you be in hospice that long? I have the most wonderful team on the earth. I have been blessed with these people, and they are filled with care and compassion. And it's the same every time they come to visit, and some of them come every day to do whatever they have to do to make me feel human again. And then to have this calming hand hold yours and say something very soothing, like, we're here to take care of you. Wow. It's a gift. Peggy's uh, 81 years old. I had a great conversation with her. A lot more about 
what it's like to, you know, have to sort of say, hey, I'm facing death and now I'm going into hospice. Uh, she's been in for a year. Some people actually graduate from hospice. Actually, a fair amount of people do. They go in and they recover. Um, uh, I don't know if that's going to be the pace, case with Peggy. She hopes so. She says she has days where she has high energy and she feels like she might move on and other days where she doesn't feel so great. But she says the hospice care where she has it up in Albany is uh, fantastic. WABC News Time 555. It is Ash Wednesday. And uh, you don't have, if you don't have time for a full church services, there's these chapels all over the tri-state where you can drive up and get blessings and get ashes on the go, right? So you don't even, apparently you don't even have to get out of your car, which I don't really get. I mean, isn't the whole idea of going to church is that you're going to church and you're you know, doing a little praying and then they put the ashes on. But OK, uh, so you can go, you can sit in your car and uh, the priest will come up to your car and give you the ashes and I guess do a prayer or two with you. I recognize that life is is hectic. Many people don't have the opportunity to get to the full service, so we want to make it available. I mean, how lazy have we become? I mean, really? That's uh, Father Mark Andrews. Uh, he's with uh, St. Nicholas Episcopal Church. He says he understands people are busy, and uh, so they don't have time to celebrate the holiday. But if you're celebrating the holiday, why don't you celebrate the holiday? It's not the full liturgy. No, of course not. Uh, but uh, we give them a letter along with... Uh, Marking their foreheads with ashes. Okay. I guess it counts. Well, maybe that's all that matters to these people. I, I, I mean, it's really, we don't get out of the house. We don't get out of the car for anything. Fast food. Now, apparently, you can get ash, you get the ashes on your forehead for it, which is really amazing. All right. WABC News Time 558, which means we're just about a minute and a half away from Sit and Friends. Let's go over to the studio and Justin Ellick and find out what's coming up on Sit and Friends today. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.